time for Lickin' On Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' On Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646-716-4972. Now here's your host of Lickin' On Lending, David Lickin. Let's begin. Welcome, everybody, to the podcast. It is Monday, September 18th, 2023. We're grateful to have you here. This podcast is created by mortgage professionals. It is for mortgage professionals. And we're so grateful to have you as our listener. Our commitment is to, again, bring you timely information in an audio format that you can listen to anytime and anywhere. Joining me on today's podcast is my co-host, Mark Helm. Mark, good to have you here, friend. Great to be here as always, David. Yeah, Mark, yes, we don't just let anyone become a sponsor of a podcast. Some desire to be sponsors, and we have to tell them, no, it's not a good fit. But they have to meet, our sponsors have to meet a very strict criteria. The most important of which is they bring best-in-class services or whatever they do, whether it be a software, a service, anything of that nature, it has to be best-in-class. So listeners, the sponsors you're about to hear are best-in-class. Be sure to check them out. Mark, let's run through them. Byte software, designated to be powerful and flexible. Byte Cell OS gives you total control over your loan process and the freedom to do business the way you want. Maximize efficiencies with unlimited screen and fields, powerful data governance, flexible API and workflow automation you can deploy with your in-house team. Finastra, grateful for their sponsorship. They are a seamless platform because the entire platform is housed in the cloud. Borrowers have the option and the flexibility to complete the application in one channel versus like on a laptop or a desktop or a cell phone and then move over seamlessly to another channel, another device. And they can fill out the entire 10 application via means that makes it so easy that meets their specific preferences. Total Expert turns customer insights into actions to increase loyalty and drive growth for banks, lenders, credit unions, and other financial services firms. Candor Technology, just like an expert underwriter, Candor can proactively go in and root out the mistakes that have been made, inconsistencies that may have happened, missing information that may have resulted in complete application, all of that costly repurchase or scratch and dent loans. So consider to Candor to perfect your processes. And Simple Nexus. It is a mortgage software and technology for the modern leader. Also, we have iEmergent, the MBA, Lenders One, Mortgage Collaborative, Knowledge Coop, Mobility MMI, and Modex. Listeners, last week I was at the TMC conference in Nashville. We're going to talk more about that in just a minute. But as I was leaving the luncheon and heading to the airport, Brad Catcher of Ignite pulled me aside and just said, Dave, I just got to tell you how much your podcast has helped me and been such a blessing to me and just a lot of kind words about that and about what we do. Again, this podcast we do each week and we are always wanting to know that we're making an impact on people. When guys like Brad pull me aside and share how much this podcast means to them and how it has helped them. I want to say thank you, Brad. Brad works with my good friend, Frankie Fiore at Ignite. Grateful to have their friendship and their partnership. Again, we're all in this together. And it means so much when you have someone go out of their way, get up from their table as I'm wheeling my luggage out to go to the door 
stop me and just share the kind words that he did. Thank you, Brad. Really appreciate it. I want to promote Ignite, which is owned by my good friend, Frank Fiore. And Brad works with Frank and is involved in the business. If you're looking for help with your strategic initiatives, get a hold of Brad at his cell phone at 917-801-5203. Good company, great people. Thank you, Brad, for your kind words. Last week, we released three top topics on Tuesday, September 12th, on 2023. We released the interview with Mitch Kiter of Wiener Brodsky Kiter. The topic was CFPB issues, RESPA consent orders over event tickets, MSAs, and online subscriptions. Mark, that was a really interesting interview that we did. And I'm really interested in sharing that with our listeners. Yes, it was. Also on Wednesday, we released on September 13th, the interview with Jason Abel of Rewire. We focused on leadership, freedom, and leveraging your strengths. It was really a good podcast. And then on September 15th, again, we've been releasing a lot. This was an important one because we interviewed Jessica Peterson, Kevin Cottrell, and Scott Petronas about the NRA lawsuit and the discussion that's going on about that. So we had a great discussion on that topic. Be sure to tune in and listen to three top realtors talking about the consequences of this. And again, released on September 15th. So that was four podcasts last week, our regular and three. This week, we're going to be releasing on September 20th, Wednesday, the interview with Sean Carnes of Our Best Mortgage. The topic is serving the community through mortgage education. That was a good podcast. You're going to want to listen to it. Appreciate Sean on giving us his time and being willing to come on the podcast. I want to say a special thank you to our regulars, Adam DeSantis, Les Parker, Matt Graham, David Kittle, Alice Alvey, Alan Pollock, and for their contributions to this podcast each and every week. Mark, we do have a great lineup of regulars here. So grateful for the best that. of the best, David, the best of the best. So let's get started with the MBA's mortgage minute with Adam DeSantis. Adam, what do you have for us? <laughs> Hi, I'm Adam DeSanctis. This is the Mortgage Minute, the latest news from the Mortgage Bankers Association. Last Thursday, MBA President and CEO Bob Brookschmidt testified before the House Financial Services Subcommittee on Financial Institutions and Monetary Policy to highlight real estate finance industry concerns with the banking agency's proposed changes to bank capital requirements. Brookschmidt reinforced MBA's opposition to certain provisions of the proposal that would undermine mortgage credit availability, highlighting for the subcommittee how the proposed rule could affect the economy, single-family housing market, and commercial real estate finance markets. He also outlined how the proposal undermines several current policy objectives of the Biden administration, including efforts to close the racial homeownership and wealth gap, the provision of affordable housing, the promotion of competition over consolidation, and the pending CRA final rule. Comments on the proposal are due by November 30th this year, with July 1st of 2025 as the start of a three-year transition period provided for the final rule. MBA will work with members and other industry stakeholders to formulate our response, focusing on the numerous negative impacts these proposed rules would have on the housing finance ecosystem. And finally, MBA's annual convention is now one month away. Register today at mba.org annual and join us in Philadelphia from October 15th through the 18th. We hope to see you there. Thanks, Adam, for the update. Listeners, be sure to download the Mortgage Action Alliance app, also known as MAW, Mortgage Action Alliance app, so that you can join the MBA and all of us that are supports the MBA efforts on the Hill in D.C. You don't have to be a member of the MBA to participate on the Mortgage Action Alliance app. 
but you should be recommend their membership. It's an outstanding organization. Also, we have coming up in the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia, the annual conference. If you're not registered, I encourage you to do so. You'll see my name on the registration list. And we're looking forward to seeing and getting together with a lot of our friends there. Mark, it's now time to get over to Les Parker's TM Spotlight with a macro view of the markets. Love Les's contribution. So let's see what Les has for us this week and his famous music parody. It's not the same. TM Spotlight Soundbites is brought to you by Power Seller, making hedging easy. Ted's lips are moving. Bonds cannot hear. Jay's voice is hounding markets with one of these days, pow, to the moon. The Fed wants the long end to not jump the gun while it jumps the shark. It threatens another tightening to keep markets in line, but only proves the Fed's show is over. It has one tightening left and cannot sell its underwater mortgages without significant market disruption. Bonds know the data game better than the Fed. Bearish momentum is fading. Bonds are attractive buys, and hibernating with T-bills is expensive. Bonds learn the game. They're looking through you. That's not the same. These views are mine. Know the game at tmspotlight.com. David, there's so much packed in that short message. If you haven't already done so, sign up for Les's TM Spotlight newsletter, and you can get the paid version for free if you enter the code word POWER, which is short for Power Seller. It is great daily newsletter with some of the best highlights you can find about what is driving rates. I agree. It is so insightful. And a lot of people say, Mark, that there's so much technical talk in there. I don't necessarily understand it. How else are you going to learn it, folks, unless you start reading the technical talk? Les will walk you through it. You can email Les at Les at tmspotlight.com, and he'll be good to get back to you. Hey, listeners, we got a special message from our friends at Kelk. Listen to this. It can help you close some business. Will they or won't they raise rates? Even the experts can't commit to answering the question as the Fed meets again this week. Interestingly, see what I just did there? The Wall Street Journal is reporting an important shift within the Federal Reserve's rate stance. They suggest that the Fed may finally be leaning towards easing interest rate hikes to fight inflation, or at the very least holding steady for the remainder of the year. If this happens, it could be a game changer, not just for the economy, but for lenders as well. A pause on rate hikes would indicate that the deciding board at the Fed is concerned that rates have been raised too high. And while the economy is expected to put in a solid third quarter, fears of a slowdown persist. While most experts agree that the Fed is unlikely to do an immediate about-face on rates, the Fed's actions to date have created a catch-22 for the mortgage market. Right now, the economy is strong enough to support employment, but rates and home values are both so high that the average worker can't afford to buy a home. Should we slide into a downturn and unemployment numbers rise, the Fed will certainly begin to lower rates. But then we'll be left with fewer people who have the salaries necessary to responsibly cover a mortgage. Did the Fed's actions on interest rates do more harm than good? Only time will tell, and we're watching this development closely here at Calc. And that's our Mortgage Minute. Matt Graham, good to have you here, friend. What are the markets doing to us today? My gosh, Matt, this has been <laughs> difficult, challenging times. Yeah, and it was really crazy overnight because the overnight screens on MBS Live and elsewhere showed 10-year Treasury yields going as high as 4.415. And a lot of people Oof. that watched the market late at night here last night were freaking out. But that was a product of the over-the-counter nature of bond trading and the fact that there was some 
rogue dealer out there who was entering bids and making a market in uh, Tokyo hours when Tokyo was closed for holiday. So normally you'd have enough participation in the market. That sort of thing would immediately become obvious and get corrected. But in this case, somebody had uh, not remembered to carry the one in their pricing algorithm and just set it uh, to <laughs> automatically <laughs> drone along for the first few hours of the overnight session. And then you can see it corrected immediately back down to 4.31, which in my view is not really any better than 4.41, but at least it's yeah. relatively better. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. It's not market related. It's just a, a little trivia. Well, it's, a good, it's, it's a good data point though. I mean, it really is a good data point. And then based on where that even 4.31. That's where but, we're at okay. right now. Okay. So going back in time, I, I was looking at the historical charts on the 10 year on your screens and when were we at these levels last? Is it? Two, 2007. Okay, so I was looking at that right. It was 2007 is where we were at these levels. My, my, oh my, yep. my. Yeah, yep. so definitely exciting times if you want to use a, a more positive word for what's going on with <laughs> rates. And it'll change at some point. We just don't know when. And a lot of it has to do with the economic data and the Fed's interpretation of that data. And there's a lot of disagreement about that. But last week's big to-do was CPI, the Consumer Price Index, and there was a lot riding on this one because it was in close proximity to this week's Fed announcement. It came in a little bit hotter than expected at the core level, 0 0.3 versus 0 0.2, and initially that caused bonds to pop toward higher rates for a few minutes. But somewhat miraculously, they recovered and ended up actually holding their ground on that particular day. And that was a surprise and people wanted to know why. I actually wanted to know why and actually had a good conversation with the MBA's Mike Bratantoni and we talked about the fact that I may scrutinize the data more closely than some people that are actually making trading decisions on it. I'm not talking about traders at trading desks so much as investors that are turning on the news and seeing that the three-month annualized inflation reading is back in line with the Fed's target. And the Wall Street Journal put out an article to that effect in a tweet to that effect. And we could well imagine that even though we're watching little nitty-gritty components in the month-over-month -month data, other investors are seeing that this three-month annualized number is back in line with the Fed's target and saying, okay, inflation really is calming down. I'm going to buy some bonds. And that also goes hand in hand with the pop or a friendly rally that we got at 9.30 a.m. indicating that ETF bond buying could be a factor on that day. But things fell apart on Friday afternoon and bonds ended up at the high yields of the week. And there again, not any fantastic reason for that. Everything is leading up to this week's Fed announcement and the dot plot comes out and we also have a press conference as always, but uh, the dot plot should be particularly interesting. And that's the Fed's economic projections, wherein they, each Fed member gives their assessment of where the Fed funds rate will be at a particular point in the future. It's represented in a chart with a dot for each individual rate, thus the name dot plot. And although Powell tells the market, hey, this isn't really as important as you think it is, the market continues to trade it as if it is very important. And I was reminding my audience last week, the Fed can't 
dictate how the economic data comes in. They can only react to it, but their reaction function is nonetheless important to the market. So while economic data itself will determine where rates end up going, the Fed is now in a position to comment yet again and perhaps more forcefully on whether or not they uh, are intending to use holding rates at the ceiling as a policy tool or if they are thinking, gosh, the data last week was actually pretty good and uh, we might need to hike again. And yeah, I guess I forgot to mention last week's data, like Thursday, for instance, uh, across the board was quite a bit stronger than expected. Uh, jobless claims were only slightly stronger than expected, but producer prices, uh, 0.7 versus 0.4, retail sales, 0.6 versus 0.2, optimistic numbers for the economy and uh, the kind of numbers that still show a surprising amount of resilience for those that are wondering where this recession is that everybody had been talking about. We'll get to see how the Fed wants to address that on Wednesday. Definitely volatility potential surrounding Wednesday afternoon. Other than that, this week doesn't have a ton of big ticket market movers. Maybe Philly Fed can sometimes be a market mover on Thursday morning. And uh, jobless claims, of course, every Thursday is worth considering when we're looking for a shift in the labor market. Other than that, just trying to defend that ceiling at 4.34 and 10-year yields. And that if that can hold up, that's, that's better yeah. than a sharp stick in the eye. Yeah. Because it will be a sharp stick in the eye if we go above it. We pierce that ceiling yeah. and we start heading into a new trading range. Who knows? Who doth know where we go from there? But at this point, it doesn't look like that. Feeling better about it as we look at the market. Yeah. yeah. So far, so good this week. <laughs> it should be the path of least resistance <laughs> between here and Wednesday is just sideways and waiting for the Fed. Um, yeah. The big Fed news will be, again, what day is that? Uh, Wednesday afternoon starts at 2 p.m. All right. Eastern time. And it will be featured on mbslive.net. Get all the results and everything right there. Anything else for us today? No, I think that's it. All, all I can think about is the Fed. Yeah. All I got on my mind is the Fed. <laughs> I'm trying to think about all I want for Christmas. <laughs> oh, I know what I want for Christmas, Laura Race, and then think Too my mind. The yeah. yeah, there we go. We start doing some songs with that, man. That'll lose some listeners fast. Anyway, Matt Graham, thanks so much for being here with us. Really appreciate it. Folks, you can sign up for the best service on what's happening with rates up to the nanosecond. That's mbslive.net. You can sign up with the code LOL to get an extended trial period without having to put in a credit card number, but pull your credit card out. Just sign up. It's affordable and you can't not live it without it in these times. So anyway, Matt Graham, have a great rest of your week. Appreciate you so much. Thanks for you being too. here. Thanks Dave. You bet. David Kittle. Good to have you joining us today. Great seeing you in Nashville last week at the TMC conference, which was for all that our listeners was a complete success. It was really good. Yeah, it was. It was good to see you as well, David. Sit, see you face to face, have good conversations, and after business was done, to even share an adult beverage with you upstairs. So we had uh, <laughs> we did all of that, yeah. <laughs> and we did not take it to excess, in case anyone's wondering. There no, was no <laughs> slurring a word. A lot of good time. That's for sure. That's for but sure. it was a success. It was right there. It's going to be in the top two or at least the top three attendance we've had in our 10 years, which both speaks well for TMC and for our members that want to get out and collaborate in the collab labs. And of course, we had some amazing speakers there. Oh. CFP director, we had FHFA 
had people from HUD and Julia was there. Just great insight and uh, great feedback. So mm. thanks for being It's great to have been there. So Kittle, there were a lot of other things that were going on at the conference. One of the things was Brian Montgomery. Again, I've heard him do this two or three times because it was 9-11. Monday was 9-11 a week ago today. And he talked about what he experienced being a part of the administration that was on Air Force One. Every time I hear that, it's still so moving. And it just brings us back to just what how serious of an event that was. And it seems like more and more truth seems to come out more trickle out a little bit more on that type of thing. Any thoughts as you think about Brian's speech? He updated it again. Brian's such a good friend personally and of the Mortgage Collaborative. And so we always bring him in on 9-11 as often as his schedule permits. And he was in charge of advanced planning for President Bush at the time. That was before he got involved at HUD. So he was there that morning in the school when they got the message. He was on Air Force One when they went to two different bases and went down below ground, as he said, into the situation rooms and uh, that are supposed to survive a nuclear explosion. And as President Bush wanted to make his way back to Washington, D.C., much to the chagrin of the Secret Service, they didn't want him to go back. And then if you look at that famous picture that he put up, Bush with the fireman standing on the rubble with the yeah. megaphone, Ryan's right down in front with the hard hat on. So this wasn't all hearsay and secondhand. He lived it. And it was all about, if you think about it, bringing the country back together. There were no... Democrats, no Republicans, they were just Americans at the time. And we've certainly gotten away from that in the last 22 years. And so it was a, a refreshing talk. And he did a great job, as always. There, it, it truly was. And there was what surprised me is there were a lot of banks and credit unions there as seen as a ratio more so than IMBs. Was that your observation? At least there were certain a lot of more banks and credit unions present this time. We're about 42 percent in oh. our makeup of community banks and credit unions along with the other part of the independent mortgage bank. So that's what makes TMC. We have a diverse membership. It's not just all one. And it continues to grow in all aspects, which is amazing. And we also have the highest ratio, we just do, of lenders to preferred partners. You go to some conferences now, there's most all preferred partners. So when our preferred partners slash vendors attend, our lenders show up. And so they have an opportunity to sell. So that's what makes our conferences as successful as they are. And we owe that to all of our members and certainly our staff at TMC. Yeah, great, truly a great staff. It was such a good event. When you go back to the event, I want to talk a little bit about one of our new sponsors and some of that was there, and that's iEmergent. I continue to be so impressed with the business intelligence that comes out of this organization. Talk about your impression as you listen to them and present. You and I stood there and talked to Bernard, and of course, so this is a husband and wife team, right? So Laird was just for a minute. She's the CEO, and Bernard's the COO. I knew what they did. So you really have a deep conversation. It's like they have the intelligence to tell a mortgage lending company where they should be involved in to try and get higher origination, not only in the state or the town, but I was amazed to learn from Bernard. They can dive all the way down into a neighborhood. This is yes. the geographical area you should be targeting. And here are the realtors and builders you should be talking to. How valuable is that technology and information? So yeah. they just do a fabulous job. And, and we love the fact that they're one of our preferred partners. 
and one of our sponsors. And now that we got they now that they let you know who's doing business in what markets, whether it be LOs or realtors, they'll yeah. predict the amount of sales that community will be doing with a 90 plus percent accuracy two years forward. So if you're trying to figure out where you're going to be doing business, how can you operate without a business intelligence tool like iEmergent? I don't know. Think about what you just said. It's not where this is where you should be next month and go out and run and do it. It's two years in advance. And you're talking about you get in the Hall of Fame in baseball with a 300 batting average. This is 90%. So it's pretty darn good. Pretty darn good. Pretty amazing. Well, this may be a good time for us to share what John Maynell has recorded for us. So without further ado, John Maynell, what do you got for us today from iEmergent? Thanks, David. We know that the incredible accuracy of iEmergent's purchase mortgage forecasts give lenders geo-targeting capabilities by neighborhood or census tract. The platform also shows the locations of centers of influence and includes contact information. For the first time ever, lenders can target the best community partners to establish strong presence in the hotspots they're trying to reach. This functionality is absolutely unique to iEmergent, David. Mr. Kittle, as we wrap up, any final thoughts on this segment? I did. Uh, I like what happened last week. Certainly my attention was in Nashville with everybody, but it looks like that builders and MBA's chart of the week says that the building applications, permits, or uh, origination sales is way up. And it's really good to see it con continues to climb and yeah. Any good news out there right now in this rate environment is wonderful to hear. And uh, so that's probably the good news I'd like to end on today, David. That's great. It is good news because we have the biggest issue beyond interest rates is the housing supply. It's the worst ever in the history of the house, U.S. housing market. Least amount of supply of yeah. going on. There's people contributing contributing to the you know, institutional buyers buying up all the homes that were available. We now have Airbnb people buying, investing, and putting homes into Airbnb. There's other contributing factors and competing factors, but builders building couldn't ask for anything more to solve that part of the equation. Supply could come be start coming back, and then as soon as rates do drop, we are going to see ourselves some other people actually start making the move that they have been contemplating. David Kittle, thanks so much for being here. He is CEO, co-founder of the Mortgage Collaborative. And we're grateful to have you here, David. Appreciate you. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for having me, David. You bet. Alice Alvey is here in the house. Alice Alvey, so good to have been working with you on this podcast for 15 plus years. Hard to imagine. And she started when she was in high school. Alice, what good news do you have for us on the regulatory front? Any updates? What do we need to be commenting on? A couple of things that I was picking up on. First of all, I've got a chance to look at the agency's quarterly reports as we've all been talking about the market and everyone's focused on what's going to happen this fall. And one of the interesting things is really taking a look at the changes in the market by state. And to your point about the services and the ability to look down and drill down into the, in the neighborhoods, when you look at the federal house price index, uh, the FIFA house price index, it really is starting to show what's going on out west, in particular out west, where there really is no appreciation. People are feeling that. I've got a low interest rate. I may have overpaid for my house. And that's going to contribute to people not being able to move to your comments about not a lot on the market. I encourage everyone to really understand where Fannie and Freddie are at. Take a look at their numbers. And the quarterly reports have been out for a little bit. They were just published in August. But interesting stuff in there as you, in particular, take a look at the housing market in November and December, right? We're on the edge of that cliff, that annual cliff when volume goes down. 
And so you really want to make sure you've got a tight ship and you've got a business strategy for the winter months. Another quick thing I wanted to give everybody an update on is the NMLS policy guidebook has been updated. And one of the things that jumped out in that was that lenders or anybody who's reporting, I shouldn't just say lenders because the banks are in there too. When an LO leaves the company, you now need to select in a drop down the reason they left. So now it will be in NMLS, whether or not they were a voluntary resignation, they were permitted to resign, they were discharged, or they were part of a reduction in workforce. So interesting new data that will be coming through the NMLS as loan officers change the where they're licensed. So Ooh. that's my quick update for now, Dave. I think the the main thing that a lot of there's a lot of talk about the trigger leads legislation. That's probably not going to installed. Uh, we'll see if we can get any momentum there. And then last but not least, Fannie and Freddie have their mandate to be able to take a look at the Vantage score. There's a lot of talk that they're going to be moving forward, but it's really hard to see that's really around the corner, like they talk about in their roadmaps. So I'll keep track of that, but right now it's hard to devote a lot of resources to something that's already taken many years to try and implement. So we'll see what really happens with implementing the two scores and the Vantage score. Very good. Now, that's so really far. my end. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Alice, it's Mark. I got a question. I'm a little bit concerned about the drop down on why loan officers leave mm -hmm. because are they given a real good definition of what each of what those items that you could select means? Or is it just they the provide, word? Yeah, they provide definitions for everything, but I'm not sure if you would define it as good. We'll take a look and I'll double yeah. check the definitions, but I understand what you're saying. It could be it's just a judgment call on many cases. I'm concerned about the discharge one. I think if someone has mm -hmm. done something bad in the industry and they need to be discharged, that to be noted. But if someone decides they're going to reduce staff and they call that a discharge and just mark the wrong thing, that could be a wide interpretation. And it all depends on how much that information is available out there to the public. And if it is, then you got a sense of liability on that. Sometimes people I found in industries, different industries, go out and put something out without thinking the follow-through of what could happen with that information. I'm just concerned about that. The unintended consequences. Yeah. Great point. Yeah. Alice, yeah, thanks I'll so much for check on when it, yeah. on who it's going to be available to, to see whether or not other lenders can see that, or if it would, if that type of information is not usually in the public view, but could another lender see that status? I will double check on that. Yeah, that is quite a significant development. Thank you so much, Alice. Appreciate you being here as you are and have been for 15 plus years. Appreciate it. Well, that's it for this week's podcast, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. I appreciate you sharing this podcast with others. I want to say again, special thank you to Adam DeSantis, Les Parker, Matt Graham, David Kittle, Alice Alvey, Alan Pollock, and of course, my co-host, Mark Helm. Special thank you also to our sponsors, Byte Software, Finastra, Total Expert, Candor Technology, Simple Nexus, iEmergent, the MBA, Lenders One, the Mortgage Collaborative, Knowledge Coop, and Mobility MMI and Modix. Have a great week. Check out all of the podcasts at lickitonlending.com. And you also go in and listen to the specific messages from our sponsors on the sponsorship page. Have a great week. Look forward to having you back here next week. You've been listening to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week. And thanks for listening.